Well, hello and welcome to the Rooted Together podcast, a podcast which aims to root you in Christ through his word together. I'm your host, Charles, and today we are in Mark chapter 15, and I welcome you, invite you to reflect on Mark 15, which is the cross. Jesus embraced the pain and suffering of the cross to buy for us the right to become children of God. And I'm amazed that so often people wear crosses on their necks or on their jewelry very flippantly and often without the thought of what that cross meant and what it means. And I just, it's one of the fears I have with cultural Christianity is this thing where it's just a symbol of my faith, which really is a word for I kind of believe this thing. It makes me happy, gives me some sense of belonging, but rarely those kind of people don't seem to have the depth of knowledge that the cross they wear so flippantly as they go about their lives saying vulgar things, doing vulgar things, believing unbiblical things, that that cross was a symbol of of shame, was a symbol of criminality, was a symbol of death and torture. It was a horrific thing to behold. So I don't take wearing crosses lightly, and I don't take wearing crosses lightly. In fact, I rarely do, and I'm not suggesting that you shouldn't. But I would say that if you do wear a cross necklace or earrings or whatever or shirt, when you wear that, keep in mind the depth of meaning of that cross that Jesus embraced the pain and the shame and the suffering to buy us the right to become children of God. In this chapter, Jesus amazed Pilate with his silence, not with his many words, not with his eloquence, but with his silence. The crowds were who were once shouting, Hosanna, are now yelling, crucify, kill. Yet through it all, Jesus offers no fight. You would think that if he were a worldly king attempting to be a conquering Messiah to overthrow the might of Rome, he might put up a little bit of a fight when on trial. He might get a little bit defensive, but he's not. Jesus is beaten and mocked. The scene drips with irony. So as you read through this chapter, I want you to see the irony See the irony that they mock Jesus with a purple robe and a crown of thorns and a bowing down mockingly. But the irony is the man they are mocking as king is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He who is mocked with a purple robe wears a robe of glory. He who embraces the crown of thorns, those thorns a symbol of the curse, Where's a crown of glory? Those who they are bowing down to mockingly, one day their knee will bow down to, and they will confess that he is Lord, perhaps to their eternal judgment. Irony drips from the pages, as Mark writes. On the cross, Jesus is placed. He's placed between two robbers. 
not by himself, not with other religious people, but with two robbers, two criminals. His disciples abandoned him, left him. Now, we do know from John that John was there, but at a distance. Jesus is left alone between two robbers on a Roman cross. It was a Roman guard who would give the confirming answer to the question that Mark has been asking, who is Jesus? As he boldly proclaimed, this was the Son of God. Upon Jesus' last breath, the curtain separating the holiest place in the temple is torn. And notice the details from top to bottom. Reflect on those details. They're important. Indicating that this was an act not of man, but of God to make his presence available to all. The price of the cross at the cost of the cross. That kind of rhymes in a weird way. After Jesus died, he's buried in the tomb of a Pharisee who was you know, interested in the kingdom of God and perhaps inspired by Jesus' teaching ministry. The last detail in this chapter, by the way, don't miss it, it's important. The women who administered to Jesus and followed him from Galilee saw with their eyes, where the body was laid. They were witnesses to the place of the tomb. And you might ask, why are all these little details important? They're important because Mark is trying to say, as it probably as Mark is already writing his gospel, the, the charge of, well, maybe they got the wrong tomb is already being put out there. But Mark is saying, no, because Mary and the other women were there. They saw him laid in the tomb. They knew where he was. They didn't mistake it. They saw it. The detail of the curtain torn from top to bottom is not a trivial detail. Mark is saying God is making a way to himself through the cross. So what highlight can we get from such a... An awful chapter in some ways. It's a hard-to-read chapter. Our Savior, Jesus, who was loving to all, who touched the untouchables, who loved the unlovables, who raised and elevated the lowly, who called all to follow him, who called all to drop everything they have and to follow him and embrace the, the kingdom of heaven, is brutally killed, mocked. It's hard to read at times, but my highlight, what stood out to me, what, what God grabbed my attention with was verse 39, which reads, And the centurion who was facing him, Jesus, said in this way that he breathed his last. He, the centurion, said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. Let's explain that. Mark 1 asks and answers the question, Who is Jesus? Mark said that Jesus is the Christ, and that's reaffirmed in Mark 8, 29. Son of God, and that's reaffirmed here. So here, with his disciples having abandoned him, this Gentile, Roman executioner, proclaims that Jesus is the Son of God. 
The only place where the guard missed the point a little bit was he said Jesus was the Son of God. Oh no. As the reader will soon discover, it's not that Jesus was the Son of God. It is that Jesus is the Son of God. The irony of the guard only highlights that God can and often does use anyone to proclaim the truth. He can use a Gentile executioner. He can use his enemies to proclaim his truth. Don't worry. God's truth will be proclaimed. Jesus is the Son of God and our Christ, our Messiah. Let me give two applications. One, with my actions and my words, I will point people to the great truth that Jesus is the Son of God who died and rose again. Number two, I will dwell on the love of God in this chapter and meditate on it today. As you read chapter 15, the biggest thing I could tell you to do, the most important thing I could say in your reflection is this, reflect deeply on the love of God. Your application, dwell deeply on the love of God throughout the day. Read this and meditate on all that Jesus went through and endured out of love for people that hated him that we see God's love on full display, a love that didn't have to send Jesus, that didn't have to endure the cross, that did not have to endure shame, but chose to willingly because he loves us. And because he loves us, we can love him. Meditate on that today. I know I will. Let's end with a response prayer. Jesus, you took the cross for me. You endured the shame, mocking, and pain for the joy of salvation. Let me dwell on the depths and the richness of your love. Let me proclaim your love to a lost and dying world. Father, reign supreme in my life. Let all of my idols be cast down and destroyed. Only, only let me raise up Jesus. Amen. I'd like to thank you for joining me in Rooted Together, and I look forward to joining you in Mark chapter 16, the resurrection, next time. I'll see you there.